may be seated. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? I am. Good. Whew. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's my personal favorite, too, along with Ain't No Grave. Yeah. Mine, too. Before, before I get into these announcements, I want to I wanna back up into the song. Take me, take me uh, back, Miss Paula. <laughs> the, the one we just did. I told her I'm going to do something else too, and so she was thinking I was cueing her for that. But I want to. But, but I got this idea. See, we go by the fly all the time. <laughs> okay, back it up. Another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. Another one. No, go forward. <laughs> go forward too. Next one. I think it's right here. Yeah. Okay. The text of our lesson today is Joshua 10, if you want to already get there, Joshua 10. The Spirit has filled so much with, with the power of, if you just read this, you think, I'm just reading it, moving on, and that's, no. Same power that we're going to read about that's going to happen in Joshua 10 works in us. You know what? We got a hope. But that hope is only if his promises are true. Do you believe them or not? What was written in this word that we're going to study was 3,400 years ago. But I believe it's true. And I believe the same power that made the world stand still for Joshua is the same power that works in us today. And that his promises are true. That in his strength. You know who's going to win the battle today? It ain't Joshua. He didn't win the battle at Jericho. And he ain't going to win the battle today. It was the Lord who fought for him. In his strength. There is nothing we can't do. And we know. That we got greater things in store. You know what's the greatest thing in the world? The forgiveness of sins. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that death, burial, and resurrection. And the victory that we already have. In a moment we're going to read. That he's going to say, I have already delivered the enemy into your hand. He's already delivered death to hell. And he's raised us through his glory into the power of the resurrection already. You already have hope. You already have victory. The enemy has already been defeated. We will not be overtaken and we will not be overcome. Amen. Now here in a moment in Joshua 10... We're going to see to where he needs some more time. And he's going to tell the sun to stand still over Gibeon. And the moon to stand still over the valley of Abijah. Because they were both there at the same time. Go ahead now, Miss Paula, and give me the little video. I went outside this morning to pray. I heard God's creation singing to him. And I said, I join my praise along with this. And then I happened to look, see if we can get that to open up and play. Try to open it on the other screen. There it goes. Yeah. Now, that's the sun rising in the east over my hill. Slide over. 
There's the moon in the valley over Perrigan. This morning, as I woke up, the first thing I saw was the moon and the sun standing still over this place where you're at. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that made the earth stand still for 24 hours so that Joshua could win the battle through the Lord's help is the same power and the same hope we have today. And he put that there to me. He said, I put in Genesis 1 these things up here for signs and for seasons and for times. And so I want you to believe today. I want you leaving here today believing with all of your heart that the Lord God is real, that he is true, and that the same power that was at work 3,400 years ago that was at work 2,000 years ago on the cross, is at work in you and I this day because we are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Leroy, come here. While, she's, while Miss uh, Paula is teeing up the uh, announcements, you come here. Dean, Andy. Brother Leroy is going in for surgery on June 1st, Tuesday. Going to have a replacement, aren't you? Yep. Got some, some parts that went bad, and they're going to put some spare parts in you. They get them at Ap Napa? Napa, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. And Leroy has asked for prayer for going in there. So I'm going to give you each a little thumb load here. Father in heaven, as we humbly bow, right here with the body of Christ assembled together as one, we pray for our brother as he's going in for this operation. Father, you already know the end from the beginning. You already know the team that you have chosen to work on him. You already know the plans that you have. Father, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you know every inch and ounce of everything you know everything about us you have revealed what you wanted these doctors and surgeons to know about the body you've created we pray that you've filled them with enough wisdom and with enough care and enough talent that they will take care of brother Leroy as he goes in and there'll be no complications he's got a sister is it your sister or sister-in-law that just had the operation my sister his sister just had operation and she's been up walking in three weeks. Father, he can't let her outdo that. She can't get a step up on him. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for him to be up and moving around and going around. We pray for your blessing to be upon him, upon the doctor, upon the procedure, upon the entire process. And we pray for him to be up in two weeks and six days. And Father, we thank you for what you're about to do because we give you all honor, glory, and power. And we know that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave and stopped this world for 24 hours is the same power that's at work in us. And we just thank you and praise you and we give you all glory and honor and exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll be all right, brother.
Lord. <laughs> He's about ready to get bouncing on me. Before All right. I get down off stage, I want to know how many former or active military are here today? Anybody? Veterans? I know this is not really like Veterans Day, but Memorial Day. We just want to thank you for your sacrifices and as we remember the sacrifices of those that gave all so that we could have this country and the freedoms that we have, including being in this building and worshiping our Lord and Savior. Amen. So thank you. Amen. Berean chapters, they'll help you to understand more of what we got going on today. If you want to write them down and, and study them this week uh, or take a picture of them. Thursday night, ladies Bible journaling at 7. Speaking of the Memorial Day, we want everyone to have a blessed Memorial Day. And also, we've got three cards in the back. One for Miss Lee, who had fell and broke her arm, and for her, a get well card. But we also have two other cards. I got one for Isaac back there, uh, and he's in active military over in um, Afghanistan, in Saudi Arabia. He's in Saudi Arabia right now in service to us and to the Lord. And then we've got also one other gentleman, um, Tina and Miss um, Sharon. It's their grand, uh, it's their daughter and granddaughter's husband that's in the military and on assignment now. And so we're going to send him a card too, and just thank them for service to God and country because it is a noble thing. And we're going to see today. It just so happens that God also put Memorial Day with Joshua 10 on this battle that we're going to see today. And so it is a godly thing to protect your nation. The nation is a divine establishment of God from, from Genesis chapter 10 and 11 when he had to disperse the nations after the Tower of Babel. And he says in the book of Acts, as they're given the, the dissertation there, it says that God has defined the boundaries the outlines of every nation and how long that they will be. And so they, nations and their boundaries are the divine establishment of God. And so it's an honor whenever we protect our families and our nation. And so now before we get ready for the word, <laughs> I got you. All of the young'uns that want to go to class, Miss Sue's back there. She, she started to get excited, Leroy. She's about ready to, to just bounce up and down on me but miss sue's going to take you upstairs to class <clears throat> and what we're going to do is to prepare our hearts and our minds for the word of god i mention it every once in a while but first corinthians chapter two tells us at the end of it it says that the word of god is given by the holy spirit it is god breathed by the Holy Spirit. And it is spiritual. The carnal man cannot understand the things of God. Because he is carnally minded. The spiritual mind understands the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit teaches that to us. And the spiritual man does. So we take a moment every Sunday morning. To clear our minds. To ask for the Holy Spirit to be here with us. To ask for he to be within us as he is and for him to allow us to have this understanding and to prepare ourselves to receive your word O lord so let's pray and then i'll close this out 
Father, as the body of Christ, we gather together here this day to worship you. Everything we do from every individual who prays, every individual who sings, every individual who plays, everything we do, the, the word of God being read is to worship you, to honor you, to exalt you. You are the only true and living God. And so, Father, we just pray that our worship today is in spirit and in truth. We pray that our worship is acceptable in your sight. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be among us and within us and help us to understand these things. The Father, not only to understand them, but to believe them and that it becomes real. When your word and your promises become more real than anything else that we see or hear, because the real world is your world that we don't see as of yet, but we long for it as all creation groans. Father, we pray to be united with you into that real world. But this temporary one that we're in, while we're here, Father, we pray for you to help us. We pray for your presence to be here this day. It's so humbling that God of heaven wants to be with his people. And Father, we worship you. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 10. And I also had a little thing as you're turning there for Memorial Day in our military. And I wanted to say that just to send this battle that we're going to see today how God fights for them and, and does everything. He, he, he does that for us and that we have this military memorial day and also it was established. Do you know it was originally called Decoration Day? Originally it was called the Decoration Day. Um, for those who gave their life in battle for freedoms uh, of the United States of America. It began after the Civil War. In 1868, in May, just after it was over, General Logan proclaimed in his General Order Number 11 that on May 30th, 1868, to be called Decoration Day and to have flowers strewn over the, the, and the decorations of the grave of the comrades who died in defense of the country. And then, the first Decoration Day, they had 5,000 people that decorated 20,000 graves of the Union and Confederate soldiers at Arlington Cemetery, and General James Garfield gave the speech. And although it was a little slow to catch on, it was first originally recognized as a holiday in New York in 1873, and then the other states began by 1890. Some of the southern states was holding up a little bit until after World War I. And then after World War I, it became something that we as a nation in unity wanted to recognize. And so at that point, they started recognizing it and the National Holiday Act of 1971 in which Memorial Day is to be celebrated on the last Monday of May, which will be tomorrow. This morning, we recognize all Americans who lost their life in battle to keep this country free and free to worship God of heaven who has fought for this country time and time again it's only by the grace of God that we're here and I pray that God will continue grace long enough for this country to continue to be a godly country and and, and under him one nation under God 
with liberty and justice for all. So we pray humbly on bended knee that the Lord would continue to honor that and us as well. May we practice worshiping and remembrance the Lord in this country. You know, the greatest warrior who ever lived was the Lord Jesus Christ. And his battle was not only against the earthly foes, for the devil motivated many of those of the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the people of the land, all of the leaders, to go against him, whether they were religious or just of the country. He had to battle not only physical, but spiritual. The devil brought hell and its angels against him as much as he could. I mean, the first thing, when he got out of the waters of baptism, the first thing that happened was the Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He was a spiritual warrior as long as, as a physical warrior was. We celebrate those who gave their life today. Also, the greatest one was the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for every single one of us. Every day is Memorial Day to him. And every Sunday is a special Memorial Day where the scriptures tell us on the first day of the week, as you gather yourselves together, we partake of the Lord's Supper as a memorial that he instituted for him in remembrance of him. Keep yourself. I wrote on here, he's my hero. We talk about today that the world needs more heroes. Where's John Wayne at when you need him? And where's these people? The world needs Jesus as the hero. And he's my hero. And when we drink of that fruit of the vine here in a little bit and partake of that unleavened bread, that's his memorial to his sinless body and the blood that was shed and died upon the cross for us. Praise God, the greatest warrior, the Lord of hosts. That word hosts is the term for army. It's the Hebrew word for the army. He is the Lord of the army of God, the greatest warrior that ever lived. One day, he's going to come back as the warrior. He came the first time as the Lamb of God, the sacrifice on the cross for our sins. But he's going to come back the next time as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's going to come back as a warrior on a white horse. And by the time he gets done, it ain't going to be good for the enemy. Praise God. Death and hell will be cast into there and we will be resurrected to be with him forever. That where he is, we will be also. He's already won the victory. Praise God. Now, if you're there, let's get into Joshua. If you're in chapter 10 with me. Last couple weeks, we've been on the Gibeonites. You remember them? They were the folks that came in and, and kind of deceived them a little bit. But it was, it was all about God. They had come, they had come to the knowledge of God. They, they were a part of the abomination there that was supposed to be taken out. But they heard the word of God. They heard what Moses said when Joshua said, Why did you deceive us and say that you came from far, far away and wanted to make a peace covenant and you were our neighbors, you were next in line? And the men of Gibeah said, We know. We heard, 
what Moses said in the wilderness, how that you, as God's people, he had given the land back to you and that all of us are going to be tossed out and, 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 and killed. And we believe that and we would rather be servants of God. And so servants of God, they became as log hewers and water carriers to the altar and to the tabernacle of God where these people learned about God every single day as they watched what the priests and what the people did and all of those acts of worship. And God honored that. And we saw that that 400 years later, what Saul did, God told David, three years of famine have come because you, because Saul killed some Gibeonites and did not honor the contract that was made with them when Joshua swore to the Lord God of heaven that he would be protecting of them. So God honored that. So here, here we are. We've got, you know, that started to happen. They're in their town. And now we come into chapter 10. And verse 1 beginning it says. And I want you to listen close. Because this is great. This, man, this, this story is so powerful when we understand it. It says that it came to pass. That when Adonai Zedek. The king of Jerusalem heard how Joshua had taken Ai and utterly destroyed it. The same way that he had done to Jericho and its king. He had done also to Ai and its king. Well now the king of uh, Jerusalem is greatly feared. And because also Gibeon had now placed their honor underneath the God of heaven. And they were a great city. Like one of the royal cities, it was greater than Ai, and all of its men were mighty men. We just now learn this. These men that came on bended knee and saying, we want to be servants of yours to the God of heaven, we're finding out now that they were like a royal city and that their men were valiant warrior men, and they were mighty. And now that they were aligned also with Joshua, the rest of the nations there were in fear. And therefore, Adonai Zanek, verse 3, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, and then to Piram, the king of Jarmuth, and Japhia, the king of Lachish, and Devir, the king of Eglon. And he said to them, Why don't you all come up with me and help me, that we as an alliance may attack Gibeon, because it has made peace with Joshua. Because Joshua and them are now aligned with the children of Israel. Therefore, these five kings of the Amorites, Jerusalem, Hebron, Yarmuth, and Lachish, and Eglon, they five gathered themselves together and went up in all of their armies, and they camped before Gibeon and made war against it. Whew. Now, this is real life, real time, and it's an illustration of some things that's going on. You know... It, it started whenever Miss B was baptized, and I told her, you be ready. The moment you align yourself with Joshua, who, that is the Hebrew word for Jesus. So that is Yeshua. So whenever the Lord God is my salvation, I said, when you align yourself, you be ready for the battle because it's going to be on, didn't I? I remember that coronation that morning. I said, it's not good. And you know what? Gibeon's finding out at the same time because, remember, Gibeon is our story. Gibeon is us. We are the ones who far, far away from God and have came on bended knee and said, we want to be servants of yours. We don't want to be aligned any longer with these. You see, if you go back to, to the next chapter verse or the past chapter verse one that we studied two weeks ago, 
in verse 1 there, it said that all of the kings there had heard what had happened, and they all made an alliance, and these people were a part of it. Gibeon was. Gibeon had started out saying that we're going to be in alliance with these five kings here. And then all of a sudden, they got faith. They got the fear of God, and they wanted to now align themselves with God instead of with these kings. And so they didn't tell them. They secretly went out and came to Joshua seeking redemption, and he gave it to them. And so now these other kings have heard that one of the strongest cities and the mighty men that they thought were on their side is now on the other side. So they're saying, let's all come as one together and go against those traitors the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, the devil now says, you traitor, you were in my camp, and now I am sending all of my forces after you. I'm coming after you. you so get ready. And so now we see that all of a sudden they are camped outside of Gibeon, all of them, and they're ready to make war against them. And let's take a look at something that's going to happen because... Everything we're about ready to study is a spiritual truth and foundation from the Word of God for you and I today. These things were written for our learning because they apply to us. I'm going to start for a minute with Adonai Zedek. Go back up there to verse 1. Adonai Zedek. You know, when the Lord, the Holy Spirit, mentions in the Word of God names, those names are translated but not transliterated in other words it doesn't give you the definition of the people's names it just tells you what the name is it just copies it right over to us each one of the names has a meaning behind it so whenever you learn what the meaning is you begin to learn what the story's about so let's go Adonai Zedek oh boy <laughs> this guy's a character Adonai Zedek claims to be king of Jerusalem. Boy, that's God's city, isn't it? That's going to be God's city coming up. But this cat says, I am king of Jerusalem. I am Adonai Zedek. You know what Adonai means, right? Lord. You know, the word Adonai, the term Adonai is Lord. And Zedek is righteousness. He says, I am and the Lord of righteousness, and I am the king of Jerusalem. It ain't, is it? Because guess who is king of kings and lord of lords, right? You remember a guy back in Abraham's time, about Genesis 14 or so, there was a dude named Melchizedek. Melech Zedek is what his name is. This guy's Adonai Zedek. He's trying to imitate God. Satan, we studied a week ago or two, how he is an, tries to appear as an angel of light, it says in 2 Corinthians. that he, he's, We think of him as the roaring lion, but he is more dangerous whenever he's the angel of light and deceives you by changing one word or tweaking one thing. So here he is coming as the angel of light in this picture. I am Adonai Zedek the Lord of righteousness. Now Melchizedek, Melechizedek, Melech is the word for king. So he was the king of righteousness of Jerusalem. And we're told in the book of Hebrews that today we have a high priest and a king over us after the order of Melchizedek. 
You see, he was the forerunner, like John the Baptist was the forerunner of proclaiming him. He was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was a portrait of that. So we have Melchizedek, and it says that Jesus Christ is, is after the order of Melchizedek, but he never dies. He is eternal now, and so he is our king and our priest, our high priest forever, and we are underneath the him. But here's a guy who is trying to take that place and says, no, I'm the Lord of righteousness. Look to me, and I am over Jerusalem. So then, so now he's calling together his crew. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So now the, the Lord of righteousness is calling in some of his principalities and powers. And so now he's calling in <coughs> Hoham. Hoham means noise of the multitude. Now, that's what he means. Now, let me explain. So now you've got, you've got the guy who's trying to proclaim that he is the angel of light. And I am the Lord of righteousness. But not everybody can be deceived that way. So he needs some other people to help him in the battle. Hoham means noise of the multitude. Think about what you see on the media every day, what you see in riots every day, what you see in, in the pressure of social peers and pressures that's put on people so that they have to kowtow into some things. Oh, I would be so embarrassed because, look, the multitudes are saying you have to follow this way and you have to follow that way. That is Hoham, this king. The next one of his cohorts... Figure out where I'm at here again. Next one of his cohorts, I think I'm at Piram now. Piram, king of Jarmuth, the heights. Here's the guy who tries to be high, high and lifted up. You know, going back to Hoham, they use different things to be the noise of the multitudes. Because we talked about how nations are a divine establishment of God. And we're recognizing those who serve to keep this nation free. Hoham and those who want to make a lot of noise join themselves together in big organizations to try to provide power behind what they're doing to get you to conform. Things like the World Health Organization. Things like the National Institutes of Health. But why do they call them like World Health Organization? World economic forum all of these things are coming together to bring confusion against the divine establishments of god the freedoms the genders the families the nations that we have they are established of god and these things the world economic forum and health and the united nations especially these things want to destroy the divine establishments of god so we got hoham now the third king of this unholy alliance is Piram. You know what Piram means? It's used twice in the Bible. Piram means a wild ass. If you'll remember, whenever Abraham had Ishmael, and they were out, it was told that this son Ishmael will be a wild ass of a man, and that every hand will be against him, and his hand will be against everyone in among his nations. This is the one who is always trying to cause the violence that's going around. Hamas and all of these different things. It's always attacking the people of God and the institutions of God. 
That's who Piram is. He's against everything that God stands for. And he's the fighter. Where Adonai Zanek says, I'm the Lord of righteousness and I'll, I'll guide you with deceitful little ways to lead you away. This guy uses death and destruction to try to do that. He's a wild type of a man and his hand is against everybody. That's who he is. He's trying to bring instability and confusion. And the Hebrew word Hamas is in the Bible and it's the word for violence. Whenever it says in Genesis 6 that whenever the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men and it brought forth these wicked ones and that the world was filled with violence, you look up that word, it's Hamas. It's been since Genesis 6 until now. It is violence against the establishments of God and here we have him right here joining this and next we have Yafia, king of Lachish Lachish means invincible here's the one that, that's saying we're invincible and Yafia means brightness and dazzling here's the one who would try to dazzle you with jewels gold money things to lead you that type of a way so now we, we've got this type of influence coming against us in our battle because you see everything that's written is a true story, but there's a spiritual meaning behind it of what's going on. And then you have the appeal to the eyes. You'll remember that Yaphia, the devil in Ezekiel 28, when it describes who he was, he says, you were the cherub who covers the throne room of God and that I created you perfect in your ways until iniquity was found in you. And you were decorated with all of the beautiful stones of light, the dazzling things, and you led the worship that was there in the heavenly realm until iniquity and pride came in unto you. That's Yafia. That's the dazzling brightness and appeal to the eye. And then Devur of Eglon. Eglon is calf-like, and Devur means oracle. It's the oracles, it's the spirit, Speeches, it's, it's the occult way. It's, it's every time they wanted to build something as a, a worship center, what was it, a golden calf. And the occult practices that was behind it. So now we've got the demonic realm and those who serve underneath the demonic realm and the witchcrafts and the sorceries and the different things. So now you've got all of the gates of hell in dazzling brightness, in trends of righteousness, in power, in violence, in murder, and, and now in this, in the, the spells and the things that can be done, you got every single thing that can come against you coming at you. You know what? We have that today. When you are in Christ, every one of these tries to find where your weakness is and come after you to try to destroy you. We got to come against Gibeon. And we've got to destroy it. And we're bringing the five kings with us. And the stakes are high. Because the stakes is eternal destination of the soul. So what happens when the world's system. These five kings come up against us. We're in the face of this demonic opposition. What do you do? What do you do when all of these come against you? Amen. You call for help, don't you? And you call on his name and you call for help. And you, you cry out to him. What's, what do they do in verse 6 up there? Look at that. 
in verse 5, all the kings have gathered together against the servants of God, and the men of Gibeah sent for Joshua, and Joshua means Jesus. It, it's the word for Lord. He is the, rep- the spiritual representative who's at the base camp of Gilgal. You remember Gilgal, that's where they took the stones out of the river Jordan when they crossed over and they put them there in the circle and the circle stands for like eternity and eternal life and they're still there. He's on his throne. He owns death and victory and he gives life and he's on the throne at eternal life and so the prayers go up. Where is he now? Seated at the right hand of the Father and the prayers go up. Dear Lord, help me. It was a short prayer. Your prayer doesn't have to last two hours. I don't see him having to say it over 60,000 times. One time, he said, Lord, help me. Peter, when he got out of the boat and started walking, and he looked around, took his focus off, all of a sudden he starts sinking. Lord, help me. One time, pulls him up. Whenever you get in trouble, you call for the Lord, and you call on the name of the Lord for help. And rest assured that he is going to hear your prayer. So now they cries out, and in verse 4, it says there, he said, don't forsake us, don't forget about us, come up and quickly save us, Lord, help us, Lord, because all the kings of the Amorites and the forces of evil are lined up against us, come quick and save us. And you know what Joshua said to him, the representation of the Lord, he said, wait a minute, you're from a far country, remember? You're far, far away. I don't think I can get there in time. Good luck. I'll pray for you. <laughs> you're on your own. Is that what, how the Lord treats us? No. no, that's not how the Lord treats us, is it? What does Joshua say to him? Verse 7. Joshua immediately sent, ascended from Giggal, him and all of his army. And I'm having a problem there because I, the tears rode hot down my cheek whenever I understood what was going on here And that was being revealed. And I'm thinking about how they cried out to the Lord for help. And it says immediately, Joshua left Gilgal. He and all of his men of war, all the angels of heaven, he he immediately left and came ascending to go to, to meet the Gibeonites and to meet their needs. That prayer. Whenever you pray and you stop and you ask God for help and you're in trouble, know that he is immediately moving. We may not see it immediately. He's going to march all night. I read that and I was crying so hard in my room. I'm glad no one was there to watch. To think that it's a representation that when I cry out, he comes and he's going to march all night that takes all night with those men. I want you to think about some. That's 3,400 years ago. There wasn't tanks, airplanes, jeeps. There was no headlights. There... Do you know how hard it would be to move 50,000 or 100,000 men in the darkness all night? And to keep them from going... How do you... God... Is God of the darkness too. He's God over the darkness. And he sent his men through the dark. To arrive there by the next morning. He immediately 
sent help whenever they called out. He didn't say, you're on your own. You've deceived me before. You've, you've done all of these things to me. I'm just going to leave you on your own this time. You got yourself into that pickle. No, he immediately left. He and all of his mighty men of valor and the Lord said to Joshua and the Lord says to you and I this day, do not fear them. You don't fear those five kings that's coming up against you. I have already delivered them into your hand. They can threaten you with everything that they've got, but you have to know and believe that God is telling you, I have already won the victory. I have already delivered them into your hands. You don't fear those that can hurt the body and soul, but you fear him who can put the whole thing in, into, into hell. You fear me, and I will take care of you. And he says, because I have already won the victory, and I have delivered it to you. Don't worry about it. And that is a promise of God for us. You have no fear. No matter if it's pressure oppression the dazzling lights or the lies don't worry about it they're gone hallelujah verse 9 in verse 9 joshua therefore came upon them suddenly you hear that he marched all night long and he came suddenly upon them there and folks if that don't put ice water in your veins and tears down your eyes i don't know what would when we cry out for help and the victory is there i want you to say in verse 10, he came upon them suddenly. They didn't, did, did he arrive just to stand around and watch? No. Did Joshua march all night long just to come there and watch what was going to happen but stay out of the fray? No. Guess who stayed out of the fray? The Gibeonites. But you know why? The battle is not ours. What did God tell Moses whenever Pharaoh's chariots was beaten down and the sea was behind him. He said, tell the people to stand still and watch because the Lord will fight for you today. Joshua didn't stand around. He let them, us. You see, Gibeon is us. And we, we get so worked up, we think we have to do everything in this battle. The battle is not up to us. He's already fought it. We got to turn it over to him and allow him to handle the battle. And he took over in the battle. And I want you to look what it says when he took over the battle. What's that next word? The Lord, what's verse 10 say? The Lord routed them. <laughs> they didn't do anything. The Lord routed them for them. The Lord came to fight. And the battle was Joshua's through the Lord God. It didn't say Joshua won the battle. He didn't tell the press corps, hey, stop, Holy Spirit. You got to say it was by my means of what everything I did and this tactic. Like, no, the Lord routed the battle that was going on. And here we are. They called on the name of the Lord and he comes. And that's a picture of you and I. I want you to know a term. I've said it before, but it's been a while. Resting in faith. Every promise of the word of God is a promise to you and I and it's true. And what you have to do is rest in faith. When he says, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry. Look how I clothe the lilies of the field. Don't worry about anything else. I got this. I am there for you. 
He handled the enemy. He routed the enemy. And it's a picture of what he does for us because we are Gibeon. And the enemy comes. I like Psalm 3. Let me see if I can still do it all. I'll do it the best I can. This is a prayer that you can do of Psalm 3 every time enemies come up against you and you turn it over to him. Says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me there is no help for him in God. Lord, you are my shield. You are the one who lifts up my head. So I laid my head down to rest and I slept. And you, I awoken because you were there. And Lord, though 10,000 people now might gather themselves together round about me, I will have no fear. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have busted the cheekbones of the enemy. You have busted out their teeth of the ungodly. The blessings belong to the Lord and unto his people. You want a prayer that says, I'm turning it over to you, Lord, and here's what I want you to do. That was David's prayer on his enemies. And that means, Lord, I want you to hit them so hard that you break their, their jaw and their teeth whenever you knock them in the face. The Lord will fight your battle for you. David had to turn it over. We have to turn it over. And then verse 11, you see the way the Hebrew writing style is, is it's, they do the same thing in newspapers today. They give you the headline to get you attracted to the story, and then you, you read the story afterwards. So that was the headline to the story, and now we get to see the excitement in verse 11. So it happened this way. Here's how it happened. They fled before Israel when God started coming at them and they, they chased them all the way down the road from uh, Beth Haran. I want to tell you about Beth Haran for a minute. Beth Haran, Beth is house and Haran is the word for hollowness or emptiness. It's a hollow house. Do not let your house, this vessel, this body, do not let it be hollow and empty. Jesus gave a parable one time and he says that the guys had been living the wrong way and he cleaned up his house, but he left it empty. You know, whenever you start cleaning up your house, you got to fill it with good. So he didn't fill it with good. He didn't bring everything to the Lord and try to fill it with good. That Holy Spirit wasn't in him. So it says that he left it empty. And a little while later, we find out that the devil likes empty houses because it said when he came back and saw that the house was empty, that he hadn't acted upon what he had said he was going to do, and it was just all empty. He brought back what with him? Anyone remember? Seven spirits that was more ungodly than he was, and it attacked that house and moved in and started going again. You got to fill the house. The devil likes an empty house. So they chased him past the empty house at Beth Haran. And the battle rages on. And then I want to tell you what happens in the battle. It says that it was almost nightfall. They're in the middle of it. God had already told Joshua, we read it a minute ago, I've already delivered them into your hands. The, the battle is still going, it's not over, and it's almost dark. And in those days, darkness came, they quit, they went back to camps. And waited till the next day to go and fight it out again. 
Joshua said, I, I've got the momentum. Lord, you got them on the run. Lord, you're winning the battle. Let's finish this thing. So he prays in confidence. He has confidence that the Lord said, I've got the battle, and I'm going to handle it for you. So he prays in confidence, Lord, let's do this now. And then he turns to the people. Boy, I couldn't be this bold. I, maybe I still got to work on my faith a little bit. But I mean, he said with all of his mighty men listening, it says that Joshua said aloud, Son, stand still over Gibeon. Now, who's Gibeon? Us. Okay. Son is over who? <laughs> the Son of God is over us. Sun, stand still over Gibeon. Moon, you stand over Abijah and don't move. He said that in front of all of his mighty men. And you know what? It says God honored that prayer. And I want you to know something, that that might be the biggest miracle in the Old Testament. And you say, how so? Don't want to get too technical, but they are at the 32-degree 32, 32 latitude mark on this earth. At that point, the earth is spinning at 850 miles an hour on its axis as it's going around, rotating around the sun. Do you know what happens to objects that are in motion whenever you stop them? They try to remain what? Yeah. It's not Newton's law, it's God's law. I want to tell you about science. Science is only an observation of the things of God. Science cannot make them happen and they cannot make them stop. God has complete control over them. Science just observes what God does and tries to define them. God has this earth in motion at 850 miles an hour. And when he prayed that prayer, God has to start some physics in motion. I've got to make sure that nothing on this earth flies around while I stop it from spinning. So the Lord God, by his word, not only caused the moon to stay over the valley and the sun to be over the Gibeonites for 24 extended hours for another day, but he kept everything else intact by the word of his power. And that means, you know what would happen to oceans you ever had water slushing around and you tried to stop? You get something going and you stop it? You imagine what the oceans would do with that big of a body of water going at 850 miles an hour, what it would wipe out? Trees and people and houses and we haven't seen the like. God stopped it because he honored his prayer and the Lord fights for him. The same power that stopped the earth from spinning that held everything else in place because you see that one guy Hamas that king is the king of confusion God is the king of order God is not the author of confusion but of decency and an order and so God says I'm going to keep everything in order as I do this there's not going to be chaos and so he stops everything and it stays there, protected. And then, God stopped it at just the right point. Because you know what happens next? Hailstones. The word for 
that is used here is Gadol Evan in the Hebrew. And that means great rocks. So these aren't ice balls when it says hailstones. That's the way the translators put it. But what these are are great rocks. So what you're thinking, since they're coming down from God, it's like the time that he rained fire and brimstone down. These are stones without the fire and the brim. And so you got these stones that we would call meteorites, probably today, or an asteroid. You got them all. But I want you to notice something. These things have probably been floating around there for who knows how long since God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1.1. And they are in their trajectories that they're supposed to go. But when God stops the earth, he stopped it at just the right point that every one of those asteroids remained in motion and came like guided missiles to the targets. It says that when it stopped that these asteroids came in and it hit the men that was of the five kings of confusion of the unholy alliance, but it didn't touch one of God's people. That is a miracle. The, Satan has been trying to find and men have been trying to find these secrets to these guided missiles ever since because God had them already in play right here. They came and... The word of God says that there were more of the men killed by those guided missiles of God than there were by the swords of all of the army of Joshua put together that day. How great is our God. Amen. And that same power works through us, through Christ our Lord. That was just so awesome. Now... He does that for you and I every day in our battle too. But I want to show you that this is a picture of what happens with us. But it's also a picture of what's going to happen in the end. I want you to turn to Revelation if you, if you want to follow along. You know, in, in our next slide it tells right here in verses 16 through 27. That as these kings go into the mouth of the caves to hide from the wrath of God. So all these five kings go in there. They try to hide from the wrath of God and the they get captured later on they can't hide and Joshua has all of the men to put come up and put their feet on their necks look down there and so it was verse 22 they opened the mouth of the cave they all up there went into the cave of Machadah and they hid Joshua said roll a stone around it set a guard we'll we'll keep chasing these guys so they chased all of those birds out of town God, God handled the battle and killed them. Then they went back to the cave where the kings had put. What do you think happens to kings who try to hide from their people? See, God, our king, the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't try to hide from us, did he? He came out in full battle array. These kings ran and hid from the people that they had called together. So Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave, bring them out. They brought them out. And then he said to those five kings, and he names them all again, and they brought them out, and he said, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew them out. And they all put their feet on them. And Joshua said. The Lord God says. Do not ever be afraid of your enemies again. Nor be dismayed. But you are of strong and good courage. Because thus does the Lord to all of your enemies. Praise God. You take that as a promise. Okay. Don't be afraid any longer. He's got his, he says put your foot on his neck. That goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15. 
whenever they was there and, and Satan had attempted them to eat of that forbidden fruit. And he says that I'm going to put the, through the seed of the woman one who's going to put his heel and crush your head. You're going to strike that heel and bruise it as he does, but he's going to crush your head. Joshua, the Lord, the representative Lord said, I got my foot on his throat, and I want you all to know that through me, the foot's on the throat too. Now, now we go to Revelation. As we see what happens in the end times, same thing looks up here. Fifth seal's opened up, and the things start rolling, and the souls that were slain for the word of God began crying out. What did the Gibeonites do when all the kings cried, were coming against them? They cried out to the Lord. Avenge our blood. Come and protect us. And the Lord says, I've got this. You get your white robes. And, and you just stand back and watch what I'm going to do. So then verse 13, the six seals open. You got the sun turning black. The moon going blood. What do we have in our story? The sun and the moon stopping right there. Then it says in verse 13, The stars of heaven fell to the earth like a fig tree drops its figs in a mighty wind. There's all those rocks coming pouring in upon them. Verse 15, the kings of the earth, the ones that's standing against you, all of their great men, their commanders, they hide themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains, and they cry, fall on us and save us from the face of him who sits on the throne. This is where our king sits. And the wrath of Jesus, the Lamb of God, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Revelation 16, verse 21. Great hailstones fall upon the enemy of God in his wrath. And by the time you get to chapter 17, you learn in verse 9, here's wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains, which the women sit, the woman sits. There are seven kings, five of what? We just saw five fall, didn't we? We just saw the five kings fall that was coming against you, the kings of the world. God smote, smites them in the end, too. There will be more, and then there's going to be ten. this beast that comes up with ten horns like you saw and ten kings. They don't have their kingdom yet, but it's going to be there after this. And they will try to make war with the Lamb, but the Lamb of God will overcome them, for he is what? And what? He is Lord of lords and King of kings, that Lamb of God who's coming again as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And then the next one is precious because it's talking about the Gibeonites or you and I. It's talking, this is revelation. It's talking about the saints that are in Christ. What's the next part say? Those who are with him are the called. They are chosen. And they are called the chosen and the faithful of God. Praise God. You are the called and the chosen, the faithful of God. And he is fighting for you and putting all of the enemies out of the way. It's a promise that I want you to leave here with today. When the word of God becomes real to you, it is powerful in your life to stand against everything that comes against you in this life. So as our worship team and the praise team comes on back and we prepare to leave this building for battle. I pray that we are with him, like it said there in Revelation, that those that are with him, are you with Christ? 
Have you been baptized into Christ? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27 says that we are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. And guess what? If you've put him on, he's where? With you. (laughs) So if you have done that, you are with him, like it said there in Revelation. And those that are with him are called faithful and chosen. And if you are Christ, it goes on to say, then you are of Abraham's seed. You are heirs of the kingdom according to the promise of God. And when you are heirs of the kingdom, the Lord God fights for you. Will you call him? Will you call on him? Will you, do you have him on you? Are you like the, the Gibeonites that come to him from wherever you were in life and whatever state and you were doomed and you say, Lord, I, would, I want to be your servants and I want to be saved. I just want to be a servant in your house. Do that this day if you haven't. For those then who have put on Christ and you're with him in the battle, know that the Lord God fights for you. That's what this was all about. When you call to him, he's there. He immediately leaves Gilgal. He travels all night. He arrives in the morning. And even if it takes the sun standing still and the moon standing still, he says, I will deliver the victory and I will fight for you. No enemy can stand against you for I am king of kings and I am Lord of lords and you are faithful and called and chosen. And when you leave here, have your foot on their throat because I've already delivered them as the victory. He promised it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Father in heaven, hallowed is thy precious name. Father, you are the great and holy God. You created everything with the word. Your word is alive and powerful. It is as much as important and relevant today as it was in all of eternity past. And when it was written down for us, it is just as alive today. Father, our, our problem is, is that we fail to grasp it every day. Man, we try no Bible, no breakfast, but it don't always work. And a lot of times we forget that who we are, that we are in Christ and that we are with him. And that he is fighting the battle for us. And we forget to call on him. We forget to trust. We forget to think that the words of these things that we read and study. That they are so real. Father I pray that the Holy Spirit would put these into our heart. And into our soul. That we might trust in thee. Trust ye in the Lord. And the power of his might. And Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who won that victory over the devil and hell at Calvary. And on that cross, he shed his blood for our sins and he died as an atonement for each and every one of us. Father, we thank you for that gift. I pray that everyone has took advantage of that gift this day. And I pray that we leave here as warriors in Christ 
to give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith shall be silent.
be seated. great 